welcome Justin. How you been? Good to see your face. This is I love where we're heading. I really love it. Because Jesus is passionate about his church. He's really passionate about his church. Often in weddings, the, the scripture is um, wives, uh, uh, blah, 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 uh, wives submit to your husbands um, and, and husbands lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. Now, now we become immune to scriptures really easily and it's called familiarity where we know it enough for it to lose its power in our life because to the, to the degree that you value the word is the degree that the, pow- the power it has in your life. So someone can give you a word. If you don't value it, it has no power. Our ability to agree and place value determines the power of something, which is phenomenal, the responsibility that we have even in this moment. The, the degree that you value what's being said or value me as a person will determine what is actually deposited immaterially during this 35 minutes. If we honour a prophet in the name of a prophet, what do we receive? A prophet's reward. It's an impartation that that prophet carries that we now get to partake of. Does that make sense? And he talks about if you receive a teacher in the name of a teacher, you receive a teacher's reward. So it's placing value on it. And this scripture is one of those ones that I think can slip by the wayside that Jesus actually used the, the, the reality and the model of marriage to explain his passion for the church or vice versa that he's really passionate about his church, that he bled and died for his church. Why? Because the church is people. The church is people. It's a Greek word, ecclesia, and it means a sent out assembly. The context is that they gather together and agree, and then they're sent out and transform cities and culture. That's the idea around it. That's the word apostle means sent one is connected and the word ecclesia is a sent out assembly. Jesus loves his church and he wanted to set it up really well. So I want to read, I want to I take a pause, which I think's the Lord. We're going to pause from our prospering soul and our inner world and heart for, for this week. Because <laughs> there's a lot to process Peter's reflective prayer stuff is, is amazing and we're going we're gonna to bring that into the life of our church. Um, but I feel like God wants to highlight something structurally for us that's actually really, really purposeful for each one of our hearts and where we fit in the church. Is that okay? So Matthew 16, you know this verse really well, Matthew 16, 18 to 19. Jesus is gathering, he's gathering his disciples together. And, he, and he's making some um, amazing statements. He's saying, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter um, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we'll look at verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus is saying, hey, I will build my church. 
This is my church and I'm going to build it. Church, mine. My church. Passionate about it. I'm going to lay down my life for it. I'm going to bleed and be bashed because of it, because it houses my people. I'm passionate about the church. I'll build my church and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. So I'm not going to build the kingdom, I'm going to build my church and I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom that unlocks doors and we get to look into heaven and go, is that open? Yep, close. Open, close. Okay, cool. So I forbid this in the name of Jesus because it's already been forbidden in heaven. Yes, I say yes to this. I I permit this because it's already been said yes in heaven. So we've got this incredible dynamic of Jesus setting up his people and setting up his church and he's the one that says, I'm going to build my church. He's super passionate about it. I'm going to build my church. This word build is, 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 a great, is greater than just something physical. It's greater than something putting something together with materials. It's what we're learning is there's more immaterial than we realize. There's way more going on this morning than me just speaking. During worship, the Lord's moving. There's the angelic happening all the time. Again, if we don't believe it, then we say no to it and nothing happens. But there's so much going on even now. There's so much that he wants to do. And this word build is one of those words and it means to edify, to strengthen and to develop another person's life through acts and words of love and encouragement. That's what the word build means. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church, but this is how we're going to do it. Through edification and strengthening and developing another person's life through acts and words of love and encouragement. So he's made this massive statement and he's super passionate about his people and them coming together and agreeing And he's like, okay, I'm going to take it another step further. And we find in Ephesians, which is going to be our main text for today, that Paul starts talking about an incredible model for the church. And some people know it as a five-fold ministry, and, and some people have heard messages on it. There's books on it. It can get super, like, this is everything, and if it's not happening in the church, then this church is no good. And um, it, it can get super strange, like everything um, in the Bible, which is unfortunate because we love swinging um, from pendulum to pendulum. But I, I really feel the Lord highlighting this for this season that we are because he's going to start um, appointing these ministries in our church. And it's going to be a three to five year process to, to see these ministries in our church functioning but I really feel like we need to lay the foundation because we're going after health as a church. We're going after presence. We're going after influence. And if there's not a structure in place, especially when we're going after our inner world and health and our process and our journey and us sorting out stuff, if we don't have some structure in place, then it will implode. We will implode. Does that make sense? So this morning I'm sharing God's heart for his church that sets us up for a win. Is that cool? So that's the heart because he loves his church and he wants to set us up. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 7. Is that cool? Ephesians 4 verse 7. We're going to read the whole thing through to 16. It's a large chunk. And then we're going to highlight a few things that the Lord's going to do. Let's go. 
Okay, so just before this, he's spoken about this one baptism, one spirit, one Lord of all. Paul's like um, declaring who God is. And he says, however, so he, he spoke very general. This is us as a people. There's one spirit. There's one God. There's one father of all. There's one baptism. And then he breaks it down into verse 7 and it becomes more personal. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd. That's the um, ascension, resurrection. When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended. We know that when in the three days that he was crucified. And the, uh, to the lowly world. Verse 10, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So Christ gave gifts and the gifts were people. Christ loved the church, he loved his people, and he wanted to set it up in such a way that he gave special gifts to people and they were to be put in place so that the church would thrive and grow and be all that Jesus had in his heart when he set this whole deal up. So let's read um, verse 12 to 16, and this is why he set it up and what Jesus wants to see by the establishment of his heavenly government called the fivefold ministry, which is going to help us on our journey and process. And if it's in place, we're going to thrive. Amen? Here we go. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ, verse 13. What else does it include? This will continue. Hey, how long? Great question. How long is this fivefold deal meant to last? This will continue until we all, <laughs> until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Not a high expectation at all. Easy. <coughs> Full on. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is all a result of having this fivefold ministry established in the church. This is the, the fruit of what is being spoken about now is purely determined by embracing the gifts that Christ gave to the church. That's the only context we can read, verse 11 to 16. Let's finish verse 16. And he makes, that's Jesus, the whole body, that's us, fit together perfectly. 
as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can we say amen to all that? Like, do we, I want all of that. Like, how long is it going to happen? Here it is, until we are all in unity and we're measuring up to the full standard of Christ. Until we grow in the full knowledge of who Jesus is. Because remember, that was the revelation that Jesus was building his church on. The revelation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the foundation the church is built on. It's the differentiating factor of religion, of you are Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and it was like Jesus went, bing, 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 bing. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood. No one spoke this to you. I haven't taught it before. That's why I said, who do you say that I am? And the Spirit of God revealed who Jesus was, which is the revelation, which is the revelation the church is built on. And then Jesus takes this one step further and says, guys, I love it so much that I want to set this up so that you thrive. So that you can be knitted together perfectly, growing healthy in love. And I feel like the Lord is on this really clearly. And I personally promise all my heart, I've been processing this for eight years. And I went weird with it for a couple. (laughs) Because when things are new, it feels like it's everything. But then when we get counsel and wisdom around us and like, hey, what about this? Let's look back at it and the church and how it's functioning and, and what is happening and what's not happening and how can we do this well? This has been this long process over eight years and especially really been highlighted the last two about what are we valuing in the church and, and praying and setting up some sort of framework so that everything we teach and everything that we're talking about can actually be worked out. So that's my heart this morning is that we fit in a framework that can be worked out. Does that make sense? So good. The purpose of Jesus giving these gifts, which are people, would be unity and completion. That they would complete each other, which would affect the church, thrive in everything that the church is called to be. He knew that one way of thinking would not be satisfactory. He knew that uniformity was not the key factor for unity. He actually, he actually, because he's a genius, he actually picked five seemingly opposite people to bring unity to the church. Our understanding of unity is uniformity. We all agree, so then we can have unity. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Unity doesn't work like that in the kingdom. Diversity brings unity. Because it's only in diversity that we get to see other people's perspective, which allows us to become humble and low and actually go, you know what? I don't have the whole market share. I've got a small portion of the mind of Christ, which is the church. So he set this whole deal up so that it demands coming in low, it demands becoming humble, and it demands valuing and honouring people that think differently to the way that we've been wired. Because make no mistake, you've got a lens which you see through. 
in life and in church. That's why I speak. We, 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 we've got to find out where we fit in life with our sphere of influence, and we've got to discover where we fit in the church. And they can be, there'll be two different things. There'll be themes with both, but it's important to discover these things. <coughs> the apostle, the prophet, the, the evangelist, teacher, and pastor, they're five completely different gifts. Five completely different ways of thinking. And Jesus said, hey, if, if we want to reach the full measure of the standard of Christ, if we want to grow in unity, if you want to grow in the knowledge of who I truly am, then this group of people has got to function together in the local church so that it can bring unity and cause everyone to be perfectly knitted together to see a thriving, healthy family grow in love. Amen? Five gifts, five ways of seeing with the intention that they would work together, learning and growing from each other as they equip God's people. I want to highlight the verse, verse 7 in Ephesians 4, verse 7. Paul said, However, he has given each one of us a special gift. He's given one of us a special gift. So I believe that there are people that he's given a special gift to that equip the body. But then I really believe that even these five, that each one of us here will have a bent in each one of these five. I feel like the Lord um, has set it up that way that not only is there going to be key people that will emerge in the church to equip the saints. So there will be the apostolic, there will be the prophetic, the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist so that all those five things happen. I really believe that there is an office of each one of those five that they carry a special grace to equip us to do those five things. So if we only just do one of those things, we're going to blow up. If we only teach and we only value teaching, then that's all we're going to do. But Jesus is about unity and completion and working together to see his heart come to pass. So not only do I believe that there's people that he's appointed as gifts for the church, but I believe that those that sit under those ministries actually have a bent in one of these five or maybe a couple. Does that make sense? And I really feel that this is a key cog in where you fit in life and where you fit in the church. Because we're going after who are we? What, where do we fit? What's the passions in me? What's my why? What's the reason and purpose? Because when we, when we actually operate in our reason and purpose, significance starts to flow. All the negative emotions and negative spirits and stuff that would want to come against us start falling away because significance is shining. We're starting to come alive in who we are to be. He wouldn't have created you if there wasn't something specific on you. You're on purpose. So let's look at this word gift. I looked it up and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a special gift. That's great. But the word is actually grace. It is so good. And I'm like, hang on a minute. The word means grace. So he's actually given like this special grace to people for people. He's actually appointed these people and he's given them grace so that they can release their grace, which equips us to do what we couldn't do before. Grace means kindness and favour in the Greek. That's what it means. The word grace means kindness 
and favour, which enables us to do what we couldn't do before. Grace appeared and gave you faith. You couldn't have faith on your own. Grace gave you the ability that you didn't have before, before you met Jesus. Grace appeared and gave you faith, which is to believe in Jesus. I love this so much that each of these five-fold ministries carry a grace which equips the church to do all of these things. I want to I just read through a couple, I want to read through all five of the primary gift and the way that they see life from each one of these people. Is that okay? Okay, let's look at the teacher. Has a high value for God's word. Pause. I'm going to read different bents and passions that each of these people carry. Does it mean that they don't value the other things? No. If we have a bent in one area, just say prophetic, does it mean we do not value God's word? No. That's a clause. It's really obvious, but I need to say it because people leave going, oh, so this is all I need to do. I can be a prophet and not value the Bible. No, that's not what I'm saying. That gets super weird super quick. And that's the exact point Jesus said the way my church is going to be set up if these five are functioning. You're not going to be blown away and tossed by the sea with every new doctrine or every new teaching that's being floated around. If these five are established, you'll be strong and healthy and perfectly fitted together. Okay, so the teacher has a high value for God's Word. Loves Scripture and theology. I do too, but this is not my bent. Like these, these people, I would say, are obsessed with it in a really healthy way. We often use the word obsessed, like they're just obsessed with it. But, but because they carry a grace to equip the church, they've got to be this level. Has a high value for God's word. They love the scriptures and theology. They are passionate about revelation. They have a passion for learning, education and history and to share it with others. There's something on their life that they are obsessed with the Bible. They're obsessed with Scripture. Everything is filtered through God's Word. Am I saying that we shouldn't be like that? No. Our whole life should be filtered through God's Word. But there's a next level grace on their life because they've been called to equip us and they carry a grace to release to us so that we then also have a value for God's Word. If the teacher isn't operating in the full fullness of the grace that they carry, then the church lacks in a passion for the Word. Does that make sense? So they actually release an ability in you to love the Scripture, even though you thought you could not love it. So that, that, that like, oh, I'm just, there's something in me. I value it. I know it. I know I should be doing it. it it's awesome. Every time I read it, something's highlighted, but there's just something ha not happening. Yes, that's discipline. Yes, that's developing a habit. Yes, that's just, come on, you can do it. But if we only ever do that, like, come on, just read the Bible. No, 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 no. Jesus wanted to set his church up in a healthy way where there's people that value it higher than you do and that carry a grace. It's supernatural. They carry a grace and they release the grace when they teach, when they equip, so that all of a sudden, hang on a minute, I valued that word, I valued them as a, a, a grace, receive a teacher in the name of the teacher, what do you receive? A teacher's reward. What's the teacher's reward? You falling in love with scripture. It's the way it's meant to be. It's not going off to learn more. It's not going off and just putting your head in the sand and going, I hope I love the Bible one day. No, no, Jesus set this up. He planned it. I'll build my church. I'm giving it gifts so that it can thrive, so it can be healthy. And one of the gifts I'm giving is a person and he's passionate about teaching because I want my church loving 
everything that the writers have written about me because the scriptures point to me. Does that make sense? Okay, let's look at the pastor. Buckle your seats. The word pastor means shepherd. They tend to the flock. Again, these aren't exhaustive lists. Each pastor could write their own list. So we're not pigeonholing people. The word pastor means shepherd. They tend to the flock, to the local congregation, the church. They are connected to the people in the church. Their primary concern is encouraging people, seeing people, knowing people, calling people up. They are invested and involved in people's lives. They are concerned with the everyday aspects of a person's life. And they see it different to the teacher. A teacher is not primarily concerned with a person. Their primary concern is the Word of God. And is the Word of God happening so that those people, they love people, but they're, they're bent, their lens, the way they see the world is through the Word of God. And because it's so intense, all of these different things, that's where disunity comes. That's where dishonour comes because we just can't understand why you don't see people. And they're like, the Word of God is everything. And the pastor's like, sorry, pal, people are everything. Can you see why uniformity does not bring unity? Because your ability to honour someone when they think different to you is the fullness of honour. So the pastor, kindness, empathy, compassion are common attributes. Let's continue moving. And I've got a clip from Danny Silk that's going to, it's a bit of a light uh, clip that's going to tie all this together and then we'll close the, the service um, with a little bit more teaching and uh, something else and then this and then that and then that and then we'll have lunch and then we'll go home and then we'll watch Richmond and Carlton. Anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, so the evangelist, their passion is salvation. Again, oh, is the teacher and the pastor and those that have those bents, are they passionate about salvation? Yes. Do they want to see people come to Christ? Yes. But is there another realm of someone who is next level passionate and carries a specific grace that you don't? Yes. What's their job? To equip you to be passionate. As them? No. But passionate? Yes. To value it? Yes. To do it? Yes. Should every Christian do it? Yes. Should every Christian have a passion for people? Yes. Should every Christian have a passion for the Word of God? Yes. Should every Christian have a passion for evangelism and sharing Jesus? Yes. Is everyone going to be fluorescent a thousand out of ten? No. But should everyone still do it? Yes. Their focus is those that don't know Jesus. The pastor's focus is those that do know Jesus. <laughs> Three times the size of me. Um, <laughs> It's all they think about. It's all they think about. It's all they think about. Teachers, all they think about is God's word. Was enough scriptures in that sermon? Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry I didn't read them out. I quoted 47 because <laughs> of my memory. <laughs> but they weren't on the screen. Anyway, that's a, that's a jab. Um, Outward, mission, it's not inward, it's a mission, it's outward, it's covert, it's, it's, sorry, it's overt. 
It's, it's, it's what are we doing? What are the strategies, the methods, and the systems in place to reach the lost? What are we doing about it? Where the pastor is, what are we doing to help people see who they are and grow so that they can do that? And if we just have evan- evangelism, we'll die. But if we just have pastoring, then we're just a bless me club and we may as well go to heaven. And if we don't have the word, we're just going to be tossed around and we don't know what we're doing. And then we have the prophetic. Their focus is on the unseen realm. And again, if you're a teacher, pastor, evangelist, the prophetic people are weird because they don't see like you. Because everything means something. And we laugh. Who laughed? You laughed, did you, Chris? Who are the prophets in the room? No, no. No, but it is. It's one of those things. Yeah, everything means something. They see a number. Everything means something. And what happens is we quickly go into dishonor because we don't understand. And we can't have unity when there's dishonor. And I make no mistake, dishonor is subtle. And I'll, I'll propose every one, of, every one of you people in this room is dishonoring all the time. So get out. No, but it happens. It's subtle. You don't think like a prophet because you're a pastor and you don't understand why they're waking up at 444 every night and they're just a cat, a cat meaning weird person. And you just don't understand it because God's given you a special grace to be you. And it's, Instagram's understanding comparison more than the church where they're taking off likes. You know that. They're removing likes so that you don't compare with other people. And the Lord set this up so that we don't compare, but we value what each person brings so that then the people that are under their bent start to grow and flourish and influence all the whole church. And we've got this army of people operating in these five giftings and it's healthy. We're getting there. They function in revelation and hearing God's voice. They see gifts and callings on people and they call it out. It's different to just seeing something in the natural. It doesn't mean the natural's less. It doesn't mean that encouragement's less. I can encourage you because of your temperament, character and nature, but then there's something different that a prophet brings because he sees in the spirit and he sees things in you that no one else could see. Again, are all called to prophesy? Yes. Read Acts 2. Holy Spirit fell. All people. Bond servants, women, children, adults, servants, slaves, everyone. It's for everyone. We all get to play, all of us. But is there a higher level to equip, to release a grace? Yes. Does everyone release the grace? No. I can't go into that because there is grace released when you prophesy over someone, but it's not the level of equipping a group or a corporate setting. Does that make sense? So the prophet, it's very hard to understand the prophet. And this clip's going to show it, so I'm going to zip it. But they see, hear, and then speak into the church what God is saying. It's more than encouragement. There's a greater grace. And then the apostolic is primary thinking heaven to earth. Kingdom, supernatural, signs, wonders, and miracles. They think big picture, long term. Their focus is on what God is saying and what God is doing. So it's cultural. It's, it's transformative. It's big. It's future. Often it's not present. Often it's missing stuff. Often it's, it's thinking out here. And that's why we need in the church, because 
the reality is that you can have one of these graces functioning really high and you can still be called a pastor. Because that's the model. We use the word pastor. But we often don't understand what the list is under the pastor. Because you could read that and you, everyone's going, yeah, you're the pastor. <laughs> but that list, that's not entirely you. <laughs> Mitch is laughing. <laughs> so what happens is we can have a bent in an area, but just because we have the bent, it doesn't mean that that's our thing. Like I can have the title of a pastor, but that doesn't mean I carry the grace as a pastor. Am I making sense? So I want to watch this clip and then we're going to wrap things up. Now this lens is, you know, it's, these are handed out as gifts. Here, here you who see this way, do what you see and do it with all your might. Do it as unto the Lord. And you, you what you see, do it as unto the Lord. All of you who are looking through this, do it as unto the Lord. And eventually what you will see is the Lord, not a zebra. And so when the pastor looks through the lens, the pastor lens, the, the pastor sees the Christians, the, the pastor sees the church. This is, this is the top priority. And everyone who's looking through this lens goes, amen, amen. This is what matters. Families matter. Marriages matter. Community matters. It matters. This is the most important thing. Say something else about it. Tell them. Write it. Kumbaya. One more time from the top. This is the pastor lens. We're building family. We're building community. The love of God. The, the love of God. Do we love each other? Because we should. It's the most important thing in the Bible. Don't get that right. You haven't got anything right. Pastors, they're hard to be around. The teachers, the teachers are pointing our attention to the word, the word, people. You got a problem, you still got a problem in your life? It's because you don't know the word. If you knew the word, you could apply the word and it would be over, done, bam. Read your Bible. We've got another class coming up because you don't know your Bible yet. So it's, it's the word, it's the word, and all attention is put on the word and emphasize the word. Come look through this lens. See it? What do you see? Better see the word. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. The evangelists, the evangelists are, are there, they're, they're like, what are we, are you kidding me? Are we in this room? Are we really in this room sitting in a chair? What are we doing in here? There goes another carload of people going to hell. You don't care. You don't care. You're just sitting around in here, sitting on your sitter God didn't say to sit he said go go what are we doing in here sitting again are you kidding me are you kidding me 
So the lens of the evangelist is to see everyone saved, the message of salvation, the blood of Christ, being baptized. And there's the prophetic lens. The prophetic lens turns all our attention on the spirit realm and the activity of the spirit realm, which is more real than the physical scene realm. And so everything means something all day. All day. So everything means something. You laugh. Prophetic people don't just, they don't just go through their day. <laughs> there's just something, always. And, and, and prophetic people, don't, they, you, don't, you don't have just a, a microwave clock or a digital clock. You don't. You don't. That's a portal to heaven. <laughs> this thing is talking to you all day. Look at that. Look at that. 1234, 1234. One, two, three, four. Moment of divine order. We are standing in divine order. That's the second time it happened today. That's the number of witness. This goes on all day. Next time you see one of your prophetic friends, just say, I love you. You got a lot going on, don't you? And then we have the apostolic lens, the, 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 the people that wake up in the morning expecting heaven to manifest on the earth. I expect it to happen today. I, I'm looking for the, the supernatural transformation in a moment to happen today. Shaba. You got marriage problem? Shaba. Get back up. You still got it? Shaba, shaba. You stay down there until it's gone. The glory, the, the, the presence of God, worship, signs and wonders and miracles. This is, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. We, 12 steps, way too long. One step. One step. Bam! Take it. We've got a one-step program around here. It shouldn't even take that long. Now, these are gifts. These are gifts. But you can see how those people might not get along. Because all of it goes deep. It all goes so deep. And it goes so deep that you go, it's true, and I'm the only one that knows it. It is my job to get everyone to look through my lens. There's just not enough room. The lenses aren't that big. That's why he handed out a bunch of them. To share. And to love each other, though we see things very different. To honor one another. To allow you to be you around me. You get to be you around me. Ah, oh, so good. Funny, but so good. It's amazing. Hey, Mitch, can you jump up, mate? Thanks. Okay, so 
It's really good. It's really good and it's really important and we're going to continually talk about it. Um, yeah, so feel the Lord on this. Um, just been speaking to me personally and then corporately as a church um, to really um, start to open our eyes on starting to see each of these people that carry this grace start to function in their thing, in their grace. And then what's going to happen in turn is that, as I said, the people that have a bent and a passion in that area will then start to grow in that area and start to give out who they are. And then there'll be these different things and they'll, they'll cross paths because you can be prophetic and have a pastor's heart. You can think kingdom, heaven to earth and, 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 and be, love the, the teaching element. And that's great. And that should happen. It's not just, no, no, I'm not going to help serve over there because I'm a pastor and I love people. I'm not going to go out on a street team or I'm not going to do this. No, no, no. It, it all goes in and intertwines, but there are certain things. And that when we start to understand that this is a real thing and that Jesus was setting up his church and this is the method and the, the governmental structure that he wanted to use in the church and because maybe we've, we didn't understand it or maybe over the, over the centuries people get weird and it's just too hard, then it, we can just sort of, yeah, we value it, but how does it all work? And I feel like the Lord is breathing and shouting on this model and it's going to take a long time. But the Lord's highlighted this whole pastoring thing. And it's amazing because he kind of blinded my eyes to these people who actually carry this grace. Not just, they're not just passionate about it. They're not just excited about it. But they actually carry a grace. They carry the kindness and favor of the Lord that enables the church to see this and grow in it and be equipped in loving people. They carry a grace for community. They carry a grace for connection and support. Do I love it? Yes. Do I value pastoring and people? Yes. I wouldn't be doing, I would not be doing what I'm doing if I don't. Is pastoring, again, it's hard because we've got a brain track of 10, 5, 15, 30 years of what a pastor is. They're the senior leader of a church, so of course they pastor. It's just not true. Does the senior guy have to love people? Yes. Do they have to be able to do life with people? Yes. Do they have to chat and talk and encourage and love people? Yes. Am I the list that a pastor is? No. wasn't even going to say this, but it's pretty obvious. But these people have been highlighted to us and, and we are today commissioning them to be the pastors of Echo Church. You guys will freak out thinking, are they the senior leaders? No, they're going to be the pastors of Echo Church. Meaning, the grace that they carry is going to shepherd the flock. They're going to tend to the flock, to the local congregation. They're going to connect with the people their primary concern is going to be encouraging, seeing, loving and making people feel known and built up and encouraged and, and see this place move into the area of community and connection and support and loving each other and thriving where we could not take it. Does that make sense? 
they're going to set up a framework and, and a model and establish leaders in this area. And over the next five years, we're going to pray about what's next. We've been talking about people about the prophetic, um, which we'll talk about probably next year. But we're in chats with um, Gary Morgan about that, who came into the school. Um, and it's just this, this exciting thing where I feel like I've been carrying an expectation and a burden to be someone I'm not. And it's super, it's been super hard. But the crazy, amazing thing is it's my responsibility to make sure this happens. Because I can't say, hey, it's not me. I'll just go. Let's just go for this. Good Friday, school. Get Peter out next week. And it's all just full on. And it's like, buckle up. And the, the vision to go after health and the stuff that's churning and coming up, that's all, that's me. That's my thing. I love it. But the walking it out with people and processes and, and, and loving people well on the journey consistently, no. Nah. Do I value it? Yes. Am I passionate about it? Yes. Is it my grace? No. And I feel like this is, this is a game changer for Lee and I. It's the scariest thing we've ever done. But it feels the rightest right you've ever righted. And those people are Ken and Melanie. <laughs> and it's like, I, th I just feel the Lord on this. And I didn't, because it's like, oh, I've got to do everything. You better do everything because you're the pastor. You're the main guy. You better do everything. If you don't do everything, then this isn't, this isn't good leadership. And I've been like just fumbling and struggling with it, thinking I've got to do it. And it's not working. And then I'm like, oh, I don't even want to do this. But now it's like, oh, Jesus wanted to set his church up and he had a model. And this is the reason for burnout. Because people didn't want to hand over stuff. And if we can work together, this thing's done. We're going to see unity. Come up, guys. Let's cheer. So... I feel like I've got to get a sword out. and <laughs> We're going to just go on a journey. A lot of it's going to be behind the scenes, which you will see things start to manifest, which has always been in our heart. But having people that carry the grace and passion for it, it's so amazing. So um, we're going to pray for these guys.